All right, welcome to uh, $5 Buzz. My name is Pete. I'm joined, as always, with the wizard of rock himself, George. Yes, How I'm you doing, here. man? I'm doing good. Um, I just hope that uh, that door's locked, house <laughs> positioned properly, and the only thing we ask is that you please use that spoof. Hell yeah. Um, and also, as always, uh, we have um, our master of all trades, Jack of None, Roger. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Thank you for that. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> You're a resident expert. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Um, today, we're going to uh, talk about, uh, well, just to give you a little backstory, we're going to talk about guitarists. Now, this is obviously a can of worms that, you know, you can talk about the best guitarists in any given genre, and we're going to start in a very broad way, you know, um, top four as we call, as we like to call the Mount Rushmore um, of guitarists. Um, it, it spawns from an old conversation that George and I have been having for decades and Roger and I have been having about other various topics that we always seem to have this running list going. And we understand that, you know, opinions are one thing. There's fact and there's opinion. And it's a funny line. We When we talk about lists like this, there's nothing really definitive. However... Because, you know, I know, for for example, my opinion of the top four guitarists of all time has evolved immensely since I was a kid talking about this, you know, when I was in my 20s. So um, just to kick it off, uh, Roger sent us uh, an interesting article about guitarists um, the other day, and uh, I want to hand it off to him and see uh, just to just as a. Let's let's try and narrow it to at least contenders. It doesn't have to be a big debate about definitive. Let's just throw a couple of contenders out there. I'll start with Roger, please. Well, the article was a Spin Magazine article, and what they tried to do was narrow down a list of guitar players that aren't exactly the ones that we see on every list. Everybody knows Jimi Hendrix is the greatest guitar player of all time. It's on every list. Everybody says it. It's usually a widely held, well-accepted uh, belief that, you know, there's Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, the usual um, rock and roll gu guitar um, standard heroes. Yeah. Right. And, and nobody's, you know, we're not here to talk about them today. At least, at least I'm not. And this list from Spin Magazine was more of a modern list, a, li or a list of those that are off the beaten path. They have everybody as disparate as the avant-garde experimentalist Fred Frith to Prince to you know, all the great punk rock and experimentalist guitar players throughout the years, Niels Klein and Eddie Hazel from Parliament Funkadelic. Did they so mention Zappa a, in that thing? Zappa yes. is indeed in there, yes. yes. Who, who often gets on that other list? I think he's so on some, every list. There's some As crossovers be. between, right. Mm -hmm. But there's no Eddie Van Halen on this list. So no Slash. There's no, no, no none of the usual suspects. So who are those guitar players that stretch the limitations of a certain amount of rock and roll limitations, you know, and try to extrapolate or go beyond that measure. And that's what these guitar players that I think that are on this list have a tendency to be. And I, I have my four that I uh, just quickly picked out and I didn't even have to look at the list. I just knew what they were off the top of my head. Um, did you want me to just dive? Just yeah, why, why don't you throw some out? If you have your definitive four, Roger, I applaud you. It's uh, no surprise. You are the master of everything, but uh, <laughs> please, uh, yeah, indulge us. Well, the of course, as anything, it's a personal list, right? I, mm -hmm. I recognize and respect so many of the guitar players on this list, so it's a dubious distinction that these four are any better than <laughs> anybody else. Mm -hmm. But but they mean a lot to me. And those four guitar players are D Boone from the band The Minutemen, the punk outfit from the uh, late 70s, early 80s to mid 80s when D. Boone died, unfortunately, with Mike Watt and George Hurley, uh, a three-piece uh, power punk band that had stretched the, took the limitations of a hardcore scene and incorporated everything from jazz and funk and country to you name it, Double Nickels and a Dime, the all-encompassing double album 1984 was considered one of the landmark albums of the 80s and particularly in DIY released on SST records on Greg Ginn's label 
And that album came out as a force of nature. In fact, Joe Strummer, when asked uh, towards the end of his life who his favorite band was, he says the Minutemen. It's a it's the the attack that that guy had on the guitar. He's a very fat man. He did almost all the singing, and you look at him, you know, kind of like uh, Leslie uh, West, who just died recently from the band Mountain. Two big guys that played the guitar, and and he was able to move it up and down that guitar with a sort of ease, and and like just he attacked it with such you know he he play like. And on one chord, he would play like uh, John Fogarty to, and then over over here on the next, it would be you know some other hero. But it was always punchy, fast. It could be sometimes he'll do flamenco guitar for yeah. no reason. Well, and I'll tell you. I mean, I just 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 interject real quickly. I mean, I have very limited. I'm embarrassed to say exposure to the Minutemen, other than. The other day you sent me a playlist and I, and I was absolutely blown away by the Minutemen. And yes. I think it was a lot of the guitar work that I heard that was absolutely awesome. I have question, more questions about why D. Boone is there. Everything you've just said is pretty fascinating. But there's one. George, why don't you throw one more out and we'll, we'll go around Robin and, and get yeah. this list again, and, and we'll whittle the list mm-hmm. down. I want to hear the rest of yours, obviously. But I, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go in deep on each one, I want to hear all of that. So let's go around the horn a little bit. I okay. Yeah. Um, and forgive me, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go as uh, deep as uh, Roger is because. Uh, well, I I know I won't. So <laughs> don't, 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 uh, don't. Yeah, I guess I'll just I'll just start out by you know this list. I've just realized it came out in 2012, so I didn't realize it was that old, but. Um, yeah, as Roger said, these are a lot of, and we'll we'll share this link so folks can uh, reference it at home. Absolutely. Uh, there, like Roger said, a lot of the uh, guitar players that you would intuitively think should be there weren't. But when I actually went back and read the instructions, which I skipped, I realized that they were going for a different approach here. And some of the guitar players I'll just mention that I liked. I made a list. And uh, these guys didn't make it. Prince, obviously, great guitar player. Uh, Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam. I think what most people think about Pearl Jam, they think about Mike McCready, who's the lead guitar player who had uh, like an uh, 80s L.A. metal background. And he's kind of a more flashy player. And it's kind of strange you don't uh, associate that with Pearl Jam because they were kind of one of the L.A. Sunset Strip killers. You know, they kind of put those guys out of business, but uh, Stone Gossard is more of, you know, the rhythm player. Uh, you got uh, Ronson from David Bowie's band, Vernon Reed, who Pete in your uh, wedding. Phenomenal guitar player. I referenced a quote from Vernon Reed, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. The Edge from U2, Frank Zappa, Neil Young. So uh, one. Those are I'll, all fan- the just real quick. The standout in that list for me that I. It doesn't seem to get talked about a lot, but Neil Young mm-hmm. is he can he can drive. I mean, it's a powerful guitar that guy plays. Yeah, the guitar and, playing in Southern man's ridiculous. Yeah, right? uh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I was ahead, reading George, sorry, a, an sorry, article by uh, Trey Anastasio <laughs> one time, and he said if he was going to teach a class, a master class about playing the guitar. The first song he would start with is um, "Down by the River" by Neil Young, and he says, yeah. there, "You know, in the in the solo, it's just one note played continuously over and over again." You know, oh, was, uh, and to there. to watch that guy play mm-hmm. is phenomenal. He his whole body is is into it. I mean, it, I've never seen him live. I've always wanted to, but I've seen video, and it is just an. He's such a kind of like ugly and big dude and just jamming down it's canadian fun he's also canadian he's a canadian we love canadians <laughs> but pretty uh, much he's bay area he's bay area guy now though for the majority of his life now mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. and I, i've seen i was for, fortunate enough to see him twice yeah i saw him play once at um farm aid in saratoga springs and uh it was great you know just seeing him pacing around the stage and uh stream of consciousness consciousness in between songs even when he wasn't performing he was performing you know just a very intelligent articulate uh person so there's a song that pearl jam wrote 
called um, the name of it is called Off He Goes, and it's mm-hmm. about Neil Young. So we can include that on the playlist that'll be uh, coming out about this episode. But um, <laughs> Roger so, loves Pearl Jam. <laughs> he's a big Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Roger, was that for the Jocks? Uh, Pearl Jam? Would you associate that with uh, the football team? <laughs> no, but Pearl Jam. I, do you really want me to get into it? No, 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 no. Okay, but I will say that you know Neil Young. Uh, oddly enough, during that period, was sort of noted as a dinosaur senior, as a you know, to Jay Mascus is on the list, very high on that list mm-hmm. from Dinosaur Junior, and uh, that makes a lot of sense. They, they he was sort of dubbed dinosaur senior, and inspired by those kids and the noise and Sonic Youth, he called his favorite song of all time "Expressway to Your Skull," which is the Sonic Youth song off of uh, the last song off of Evil, E V O L, and. Um, I said, um, and I don't like to do that, but Neil Young was, uh, yeah, he was, a, he made the album arc weld off of the back of weld as sort of being inspired by these kids and the noise they were making. And he also made an album with, uh, Pearl Jam as his backing band minus Eddie Vedder. I think it's called Merkin ball. Am I oh, right? I was not aware of that. I think that's what it was called. Uh, I, you know, we'd have to fact check that. Uh, but yeah, he did a record with those guys, or maybe it was an EP, but he did a recording with them without Eddie Vedder. So, uh, you know, obviously those guys have a, a well-known history together. But uh, to get back on track, if I'm going to pick four guitar players off this list, I'm going to pick, I guess I have to say, first Tom Morello, who I guess in my lifetime, besides Eddie Van Halen, I'm trying to think of another guitar player that kind of actually invented a new way of playing the guitar, kind of approached it like he was uh, a lot of aesthetics of a hip hop DJ with scratching and doing different sort of techniques with the effects pedals and uh, distortion and all types of uh, reverb and whatnot, all all the type of uh, technical uh, studio effects. And, uh, you know, he played with, Bruce Springsteen and, you know, our friend Tom Glasgow, who uh, listeners will get to know, actually saw uh, Tom Morello play with uh, Bruce Springsteen. And they said it it sounded really good. Um, But, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, you know, Rage Against the Machine is probably the most important band of my lifetime, I would say, just because all the, you know, social and political topics that we see in the headlines these days is, I mean, these guys have been talking about that. Yeah. You can say that he's got as distinctive a sound as say the edge for being a popular band. You can, you can instantly identify a Tom Morello riff, uh, you know, that it was, it was quite inventive, simple, but really a less is more and awesome I think uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, as identifiable as, uh, identifiable as the Edge or Johnny Marr from the Smiths. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously yeah, you can tell almost yeah. instantly that that's that song. I'd say that that's a, I'd say that's a great call on uh, on uh, for for the for your first pick there, George. Um, I'd like to put. I mean, it's funny. Can I I'm just not, can I uh, just yeah. add a, a personal uh, Tom Morello story? Please do. Uh, and don't forget, Pete, he did that one cover of uh, Another Brick in the Wall with Lane Staley. I don't know if you remember that. That was a one-off. Oh situation. man, if we should, we, I'm going to break that down for the Spotify mm-hmm. list. Yeah, you should. And um, a couple of years ago, in, I was in New York City and. My coworker and I went to this restaurant you guys probably heard of called Nobu. I think yeah. there's one in Los Angeles. It's a, it's there a is. pretty uh, scenester uh, situation in uh, New York. And, and there have uh, been to both of them. Yeah. I've, I went in there and it was later in the afternoon and we go and we sit at the sushi bar and Tom Morello is sitting right behind me with another gentleman who he was definitely somebody in the music industry. I didn't know who he was and uh, I'm just like, I got to go and talk to this guy. There's like literally no one else in the restaurant. And finally, I just walked up to him like, hey, man, I'm sorry to bother you. But I just got um, Evil Empire, which is the second album 
I just got that on vinyl. And uh, he's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And I'm like, yo, I saw you guys play with Wu-Tang Clan in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, I think it was, that was 1997. And he was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, those guys didn't know how to tour. All they did was drive around and rent limos. They had no idea what they were doing. And they were laughing. And uh, I said, you know, I saw uh, Jack White play at Madison Square Garden about at that point in time, it was like, I had just seen Jack White play at Madison Square Garden and the opening uh, performers was a, a rap group called, you probably know them, Run the Jewels. And Run the Jewels did a couple of songs and actually Zach from Rage Against the Machine came out and did a song. I was at the bar, missed it. I said, Tom, oh, I was heartbroken. I didn't see Zach because <laughs> the guy doesn't really appear at all. He doesn't really do any professional appearances. And he's like, hey, man, if you see Zach, let him know I'm looking for him. I was like, all right. <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah, nice. So it was a pretty cool uh, encounter. The guy couldn't have been nicer. And uh, yeah. Um, I've got a weird one for my first pick. <clears throat> well, it's not weird, but. Um, I like weird ones. Come on now. For me, it's weird because I'm not the biggest metal fan, but I've, I, I've heard about this guy and I've recently been taking a big, di- uh, a deeper dive into black sabbath and i think tony aomi is gotta be in the mount rushmore of guitarists personally I speaking i don't and argue I with think that. even like i think even you know put it I, I i mean it's probably a layup to say that but rock metal i mean he's he <laughs> He should be he should be up there with with just about anybody. I would well, Black Sabbath is Black Sabbath is the pin in the beginning. You know, as the Stooges and Velvet Underground are really the the godfathers of punk rock. That's the godfathers of metal. I mean, bar none. Period. They're the first. They're it. That sound during that time. That was it. That bottom heavy, angry. Those those kids come from a shit town, poor town. And they, they, you know, they, they created the deepest, darkest, heaviest, sludgiest shit that the, today still inspires a lot of kids that I'm surrounded by who play guitar, still listen to those Black Sabbath records, and worship those records. Heavy. It was just a heavy sound that was mm-hmm. just awesome, you know? And a lot of the reason why it sounds that way is because Tommy Iommi had um, an accident as a young man where he cut off or he injured his finger. So when he played the guitar, the normal tuning hurt his hand. So he had to tune it down. So that's really why that you get that heavy sound because when he tuned it down, he was able to uh, play the guitar properly. So that injury actually caused the, created the heavy metal sound. And that's I think awesome. is, is it maybe, I don't know, Rogers, it's a drop D chord. Either. Drop D. Drop D. Yeah, they definitely had a couple songs with drop D. Um, well, there you go. Thank <laughs> you, Jared. Jared. Correct. Jared. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Um, so uh, you know, that that's a that's a really good start. I think let's go around the horn one more time before we take our, our uh, midway break. Anyway, what do you got, Raj? Well, it would be remiss if I didn't start out with this guitar player on purpose. Uh, it's two of them on the list and they're the number one on the whole list. And of oh. course it's Thurston Moore um, and Lee Ronaldo. It's the twin gu- guitar attack of Sonic Youth. The, what, what they bring to the table is almost everything you hear from 1986 to about 1998. It's every, almost every guitar player and musician that is worked their way into the indie world owe a huge amount of debt to the Velvet I mean to well to the Velvet Underground to the Sonic Youth which I was going to say are like the Velvet Underground as a precursor to particularly grunge music and everything that surrounds that you know there is I remember Sonic Youth was important for bringing around Nirvana and Mudhoney and Soundgarden and everybody else during that period it was a uh, an all frontal attack between those two playing off each other, detuning their guitars, shoving various implements into the strings to get a certain sound. They would play songs and have these guitars set just for that song where they would have to bring 
an entire boatload of trunks and trunks and trunks of guitars to set that eventually were stolen at one point. So they had to refigure that shit at one point in their, uh, in during their uh, later years. But, you know, between the very, very, and I, I'm appreciative of the very dark, deeper stuff like uh, Confusion of Sex and uh, Bad Moon Rising, Evil and Sister, as much as the Daydream Nation, which is what considered everybody's their, their ultimate album, considered one of the greatest albums ever made. One of the many would argue Pitchfork being one of them, the best album of the 90s. But wait, so did you say that Lee Ronaldo and Thurston Moore were twins? No, the twin guitar attack. Oh, oh, oh. No, they're not like, twins. Huh? They, they couldn't be more different as human beings. You know, uh, one played by one played by ear and one was, uh, you know, went, went to school, you know. But they were both discovered by uh, a man who's also on that list, the name Glenn Bronca, who was a uh, minimalist guitar player. And he started by doing, uh, he had this band called Theoretical Girls, but he has this one piece that was played at the uh, Disney Music Hall during the minimalist uh, month that they had all these big shows and it's a hundred guitars all playing at the same time. And everybody wow. and his mother, including Thurston, my cousin, Randy Randall was there. He played next to Paige Hamilton from uh, helmet. And it's like every guitar player worth their salt all played this strumming, this big gigantic half hour piece of music. At Disney world or Disneyland? Di- uh, no, no, no. At the Disney music hall. Okay, that's different. The Disney Music Hall is not di- not really associated with Disney. It's Roy Disney mm-hmm. and the Red Cat Theater. Roy Disney is separate from his brother, and that he was more attuned to the art world than Disney was to you know Walt Disney was to the entertainment world at large. His brother was more of a cultural hound, and yeah. was a big component of Cal Arts. Cal Arts is he was one of the ones who helped start Cal Arts. And it's just you know when you do these type of lists and you talk to people like yourself and Roger, you just realize. You know, you really think you've spent your whole life listening to a lot of music. And I, I think I have. And, you know, I try yeah, I, and yeah. be pretty open-minded about it. But you just realize how difficult it is to kind of um, hear Ingest everything. everything. Yeah. I think the moral is that, um, you, know, when pe- you know, one of the things that annoys me a lot is when people say, oh, there's no good music anymore. I'm like, no, dude, you actually have to do the work. You have to look for it. You have to find it because a lot of... Uh, the best uh, recordings are not stuff that are, you know, spoon fed to you on the top 40, or you're not going to hear them when you go into the commercial gym, or you're not going to hear them on, um, you know, some advert commercial advertising, you know? Uh, So you actually have to do the work. So if you're someone that likes to seek uh, information out, you know, it's, uh, you know, we you still got a lot of uh, years left to try and discover this stuff. So uh, hopefully that's what this podcast um, is able to do for some people. I Yeah, man, absolutely. It's doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I try to discover something almost every day. I, I find a new band, like it recently discovers for, discoveries for me that I'm a big fan of is this female artist out of New York named Shilpa Ray. A big fan of her work right now. She's she's fantastic. She's kind of you like sent a, that over to us, right? I have not. Yeah, kind of like kind of like a uh, indie. She's like a Indian American uh, version of Patty Smith to some degree. She's got those chops, and you know, big fan of New York culture. She she kind of jibes off of that a little bit, and uh, been listening to. Oh God, there's just so much stuff that I'm discovering, even some old stuff like the Groundhogs who I never was familiar with from the early 70s. That's something you got to check out. The Groundhogs, if you, if you got to do it. Do you guys uh, listen to SiriusXM? You have a, you have a subscription that you have access to? I don't. Little Steven's Underground Garage. It's yeah, I listen to it. Whenever it's I get just, it, I listen to it. Yeah. Oh God. It, well, you and I, that's what we jam when we're in, in the car, but I mean... It is just amazing. Some of the stuff in the 50s and 60s that was pure rock and roll that you just, it's so obscure. There, like you said, George, there is a, there is a never ending. You can, you can never listen to the same song twice, really. No. You know, you really, if you wanted to. But what's interesting is you kind of tend to gravitate towards the same stuff um, again and again. You know, I don't know. It's the, 
the mysteries of the human mind, I guess, right? Well, well it's uh, amazing. The more you the more you dig in, like, are commercially successful bands better or worse? I don't I, I, I don't understand like mass appeal versus talent in some situations, you know, which is a conversation that a whole nother conversation, you know. Um, hey, all right, guys. Well, it, right now we're about 30 minutes in. Let's take a, a little uh, break and uh, we'll see We'll see uh, everybody on the other side. everybody welcome back to five dollar buzz here with me roger pete and george so we're counting down our top four each of favorite guitar players of all time on this wacky list it's not the usual suspects and you already know the rules so we're going to go right into george's number two yeah um number two um roger you reminded me when you spoke of that uh young lady out of New York who was Indian American. This guitar player is also an Indian American. His name is Kim Thayil. He's the guitar player for Soundgarden. And mm -hmm. I know that a lot of folks, I was really glad to see him fairly high up on the list because I think he's got a really interesting sound. I think a lot of it come, you know, kind of does sound like um, Black Sabbath, really dark, uh, really atmospheric. Uh, it's not a lot of technical uh, virtue, virtuoso type stuff, but it really um, is a really good foil to Soundgarden's music. I know a lot of people uh, usually and rightfully so associate that music with Cornell, but you know, <clears throat> Cornell's voice is loud and powerful. And I think that uh, Kim Dale is a good um, accompanist to that, um, I think a lot of the times he plays a Les Paul guitar, which is really interesting because, uh, you know, I usually don't think of that heavy type of sound with uh, a Les Paul guitar. I think more of a classic rock sound. So that's pretty interesting. And, you know, a lot of Soundgarden's most well-known songs, for example, that one that almost everyone knows is Black Hole Sun. And, you know, you really do think about um, Cornell's uh, vocals but the intro to that song is all guitar and the, the interesting lead up and build up is kim fail so Swirl, um, that swirling guitar sound yeah he's got you know he can do like the minimalist atmospheric stuff but he can also do some pretty heavy riffs if you think of um another song that most people know outshined by soundgarden the really heavy riff uh, and then in the middle of the song with Cornell, you know, can just... Oh, I, I can hear it right now. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. You know, that, he, that opening is that great. That whole Bad right? Motorfinger album is just heavy as fuck. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, I think it, Cornell can kind of ad-lib and really show off his, um, his, his range because he has that, you know, the, the drumming and the, and the bass playing is really uh, great as well. But... Um, yeah, I really like Kim Dale. Soundgarden is one of my favorite bands, and uh, I was really happy to see him get the acknowledgement. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad he was there. So I'm happy to. Talk We've to mentioned him. three artists that were on SST Records now. Yeah, Soundgarden was there, and Sonic Youth was too. In the Minutemen. Funny. Uh, that was awesome, George. <laughs> that was really that was a that's a great call, um, and uh, a great number two pick. I know it's my number two pick. I don't put this person at number two in any category. I, I, the, in of recent years has become really one of my favorites and that's Frank Zappa. Uh, I th think we'd all agree how amazing he is. I, you know, I'm not sure what re reignited um, my, my interest, but I, you know, actually one night um, I was out at uh, our friend Kevin and Sarah's place and uh, sitting around the table playing cards and I had just put on Frank Zappa radio on Spotify. And I mean, it was just one great song after another. And and then taking a deeper dive, I saw this video where he played bicycle tires on in, in a suit on a 
early Steve 50s. Allen show on the Steve Allen show. That's right. Yeah, the, 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 the uh, of course, you know about that. <laughs> and I mean, and 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 I I also identify. I mean, when I lived in Prague a long time ago, and there was this bar that only played Frank Zappa, and I never paid. I didn't pay as much attention to it as I should have, but um, his look and his and his artistry and. I think he's, I think he's, that guy's ahead of his time. So he's not, he's not my number two. He's probably my number one. And, um, but, uh, you know, he's got it. I think he's got to be on the Mount Rushmore. And it's- As it pertains to guitar playing, you know, Roger probably knows this. I don't know if Pete knows this, but um, uh, Steve Vai, who's considered a, a guitar prodigy, Famously, I know a lot of his work from uh, playing with David Lee Roth's solo band, but I think as a young teenager, he started out playing with Zappa. And I think Zappa would challenge the, the audience to bring in music and Vi would play sheet music. He, he could play anything off of- Well, the, uh, the audition for Vi was right. that he had to take two compositions Zappa gave him and right. he wanted it back written note for note. What? That's I don't think amazing. people realize how like um, yes. how much of a, a, a musical genius the uh, Zappa is. I mean, it's just I, it's hard to under you know to to convey it to the the, the um, typical music listener. But you know, Steve Vai is an incredible guitar player, and a lot of the other musicians that have come, come and played with um, uh, Frank Zappa, I, Terry Bazio is a mm-hmm. famous drummer who's played with Zappa. If you, you, if you just went and look at all the musicians that played with uh, Zappa and just like went off and like explored their music, you could probably spend a couple of years, uh, you know, discovering a lot of really cool stuff. And his famous rep, uh, association with one of the great outsider musicians, Captain Beefheart and the magic band Zoot Horn Rollo was also on that list from Captain Beefheart. And that's, you know, they, they all, they played a lot of albums together. Captain Beefheart did a lot of stuff with Zappa, and Zappa put out a lot of his records in the early days. And it was cool and that Zappa um, also... The Mothers of Invention. I, I really, if you went back and look at all the censorship hearings back in the day, you know, he's, you know, Zappa is a, a renowned musician, but he's rubbing shoulders with like D. Snyder, and he really wasn't afraid to, you know, tell people to fuck off. And he really did a lot for, uh, you know, anti-censorship for musicians when they remember um, roger they started stickering albums and pmrc yeah that was a huge deal and i was tipper gore al gore's wife who started yeah. that yeah and the uh but the the main cause the first reason he went up is for a dead kennedy's album cover called franken christ and it was uh, a libel cover and zappa went in and spoke on behalf of the record and ultimately started the next phase they won that case but that started the pmrc said well if we can't get him legally in this court maybe we can get the industry to start stickering which of course backfired because it made kids want to just buy that record even more (laughs) and you know what man i'll tell you what not to get into politics but al gore would never go to vote for me because his fucking wife wanted to stick her records and tried to keep me away from iron (laughs) maiden ice cube and iced tea so you know i i never really appreciated that roger so um you know, I voted for wanted, him over George Bush. You know, so he, whatever. He, he wanted to do some revisionist history, saying he's a friend of the arts. I, he's no friends of the arts. He's a fair weather friend, and that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> Amazing as Zeppa is, Zeppa played several instruments. So, can you have such a multi? I don't. Is, does that person go on the, the guitarist Mount Rushmore? I don't know. Well, because his guitar work is what was really. When you look at the album Hot Rats. That's yeah. all Zappa's guitar work. It is. That's a, that's a monster of an album of guitar. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, it, I mean, it, it's it a monster album of guitar. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. It's, I don't feel so bad. Yeah. Jesus Christ! No, he's got a song album. My guitar wants to eat your mama. It's like a just a badass guitar solo in the middle of that. Come on, I mean, Zappa was God. No doubt. Um, Roger, it is your turn. Well, I went back and forth and facilitated a lot of vacillated between a lot of these names. There's so many names on here. Hard to pick. So I'm just (laughs) vacillating, vacillating. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go stick with my easy guns. I'm going to go with Greg Ginn as my number three. 
he was the guitar player and uh, proprietor of SST Records and the guitar player for Black Flag, 1977, when they first started. And him with Keith Morris, who would go on to do the Circle Jerks and Bad Religion. They uh, started out in this band that, uh, you know, you, we talked about hardcore punk. You know, hardcore punk doesn't start in New York. It starts in Los Angeles. Uh, it starts in Los Angeles and D.C. Rick. And what he did with punk rock with guitar playing. And yes, those fast and furious two minutes blasts of, of, of guitar would morph into these experimental jazz style scrunk guitar playing when you look at something like black coffee or slip it in and the way that he starts to develop these this sort of weird skippy it's not clean it's not smooth but it's like uh andy gill who's also on this list from gang of four he finds it in in in, in the moment he, he there is a a, a percussive instrument element to sort of the way that he's looking around and finding, you know, the, the, the chords, the notes, the uh, it, it's, if you can listen to it with, with taking your brain off and thinking about heavy metal guitar and just start to feel it, it will make a lot more sense. And that's why those that are love black flag and black flag is the most important punk band from Los Angeles period. As much as I think the Minutemen are better band, Black Flag is the band of Los Angeles. They so, are a definitive element of punk. They are, in my mind, one of the top five godfathers of, of what, I, uh, when you talk about punk, they belong in that, that conversation. A, that's, a, that's an awesome, awesome uh, commentary on Gin. Um, George, you're up, man. Yeah. Um, I another guy that I was pretty uh, happy to see on the list was Dave Navarro from uh, Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a really interesting sound. Um, Love that. And you know he he's a pretty uh, great uh, acoustic guitar player. He's a great electric guitar player. Um, some heavy riffs. Great solo uh, artist. I mean, a great guitar soloist. And, um, you know, one, a record I really like a lot is the one that he did with uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers when John... Fuchs one Hot Minute. Him. Yeah, One Hot Minute. And, you know, I think those guys, they don't perform... Red Hot Chili Peppers rarely, if ever, from my knowledge, don't perform any of those songs. Uh, I, Pete, you and I saw them play one a while back in Albany, Albany, New York, and uh, they didn't play just after Freshanti rejoined. Yeah, there was no one hot minute uh, plays over there. I don't, I don't know if that does John Freshanti not want to play those songs, or you know, maybe they're. I mean, I'm sure Freshanti could play whatever he wants, you know, but they are kind of different style guitar players. But um, it's and funny because Flea went over and did some stuff for Jane's Addiction. Yeah, he did when they played. Um, that it was that MTV uh, show they did. It was a live recording. That album that Kettle Whistle is on. Yeah, Kettle Whistle. It, yeah. And yeah. you know what? Navarro, you know, he's pretty uh, held in high regard, I think. And he's a very faint, you know, I feel like he's almost more famous for, you know, being a rock star than because he really, his body of work relative to these other uh, guitar players we're talking about, he doesn't really have, you know, Jay's Addiction has like two, what, two proper albums. He did that record with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, you know, there's not a, is there a ton of Dave Navarro material out there? Well, he, he is famous around here uh, as an LA musician. He's yeah. revered. He's a local thing. Right? He, and, and he didn't, didn't he start the camp rock thing? Camp Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Camp Freddy. That's pretty awesome. He did. You know, but, um, yeah, I guess relative to some of these other guys, like Frank Zappa, you know, Dozens and dozens Se of albums. 75 records. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, Jane's Addiction had two, you know, maybe three, the lit, if you want to call that later one. And even that song that was um, the intro to, um, what was that show on HBO that was really pop? Entourage. You know, the intro song is Jane's Addiction and that's Dave Navarro. Mm -hmm. So That's right. Uh, yeah. They enjoyed some uh, <coughs> success with, some commercial success with that and, you know, he did have that show with uh, Carmen Electra for a while. And, and he uh, loves he loves porn stars. He loves porn stars. He, he you know, he does a podcast and it's supposedly pretty interesting. Uh, so, I mean, he does a lot of interesting creative stuff, but uh, 
I haven't really heard too much of his newer music if it's out there, but I should probably give it a He's shot. also done some work with Marilyn Manson, <clears throat> which we won't talk about to get too deep into. Right. Guns and Roses, Nine Inch Nails, and Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So he is kind of a hired gun. You know, he's a, uh-huh. I think he's uh, recognized, but yeah, I, I mean, Pete, you know, I know you're a big James Addiction fan and, you know, even though he, you know, those two albums alone are enough for me and uh, I really appreciate his work. You have, you have a very interesting um, theme going with those picks. Yeah. And it's also pretty cool that, you know, the, the names that you and Roger are coming up with um, like these, all these guys are and ladies. And that was a, cool thing about this list it was it was nice to see a lot of female guitar players and also roger um a lot of the like i guess you would call them death metal bands like napalm death morbid angel uh-huh. you know it's cool to see those guys getting some recognition because those guys can really uh, play but um yeah i mean roger you know all three of our lists are pretty strikingly different but um it just i guess goes to show how many different ways you can approach uh, a six-string instrument you know well, I have I have nothing but love for every pick you guys have had so far. So I got um, nothing but love. Uh, in sticking with in sticking with my theme of of kind of like obvious choices because I am not as well versed as you two. Can I take 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 a guess? Yeah. Is it Sid Barrett? Nope. I thought you would <laughs> okay. definitely go for Sid Barrett, but. Uh... <laughs> That's a great, that's a good, believe me, that's, that's awesome. And I'm a huge Gilmore fan as well. We could go down a Pink Floyd rabbit hole. I'm a I, right. Pink Floyd to me is one of the most important bands in my personal life, but no, actually this, you might be surprised, but John McLaughlin and I, I, there's an album of his that he plays with Al Demiola and Paco De Lucia. They play Spanish flamenco guitar. I absolutely love. And you go down a little rabbit hole with that guy. He is an incredible jazz fusion. Um, you know, he's he's dabbled in everything. I mean, everything, you know. Uh, he played for Miles Davis, dude. <laughs> that's all you need to say. That's all you need to say, you know. <laughs> I, I, I The first time I ever heard of him was a long time ago. Um, an old friend of mine's father played bass for like uh, – these time life Patty LaBelle shows they used to do at, you know, in Atlantic city and stuff. And he had a signed John McLaughlin guitar. He was so proud of, and I had never heard of him. I was, you know, my mid twenties. And ever since then, every time uh, it's, you'd be surprised how much his name pops up on things and how involved he is. It's incredible. I think he's incredible. Yeah. He played with the Mahavishnu orchestra and Tony Williams lifetime. He, He was in, yeah, he played with Aldi Miola. He, yeah. He's, you know, serious. You know, this reminds me of we talked about Jocko, and this guy is in that kind of uh, range. And he was definitely influenced by a, the greatest guitar player, in my opinion, who's not on this list at all. But in my opinion, the greatest guitar player to have lived is Django Reinhardt. But definitely, that would be that's the influence that he had. Yeah, yeah, just a super, a super rounded and expansive. Uh, not pigeonholed into any particular category, but could certainly bring anything to uh, to the table in any in in any setting. Really, I mean, that's what's amazing about that. I don't know if that keeps you on the list or takes you off the list, but and not a household a, name. Yeah, no, not a household name. You know, I mean, and it's probably a throwaway pick for the Mount Rushmore, but but guitarists know who he is. Well, he is a musician's musician. I mean, yeah. that's that's for sure. So absolutely. What do you? Be- well, anyway, that was a, that was a pick I had seen. Well, you know, looking through the list, and that name came through, and that's great. I, I love you picked that. I couldn't stop. Uh, couldn't stop my eyes because uh, it made me think of a, a lot, of, a lot. I like I love about that guy. Um, and that brings us to is that three each now? We got yeah. D Boone. We got we got D Boone, Moore, Ronaldo, and Ginn for. Uh, for Roger Morello, um, Thale, Thale and uh, Navarro, I went with Aomi um, and uh, Zappa and John McLaughlin. And there's a honorable mention of Steve Vai, who honestly could be on the uh, <laughs> from George. I mean, it was a great call. I mean, they, that, he's a, he's he's kind of a McLaughlin in his own right, just a journeyman amazing guitarist you know a very tactical man i don't think he ever wrote a piece of music in his life though 
Oh, really? Didn't he More learn important. from? Uh, did he learn from Satriani? Yes, yeah. that's why they're they both. I kind of put them both in the same camp as you know, exquisite technicians. Yeah, but it's not it, you know, it's not very approachable for the uh, common person. But I guess uh, Steve Vai goes off and joins David Lee Ross, man. So um, there's that. Okay. I, I mean, I, I mean, like I, Co, Co, Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say Cobain wasn't a technical musician. But you felt it when he played his guitar. You felt that shit coming out of him. Couldn't, and he wrote all that shit. There's but, a big difference between the two. But Steve Vai is a much better guitar player. I hear you. It, but that also now makes me think, like, we're talking about, we're not talking about <laughs> classic rock here. You know, obviously we're skipping, we're basically omitting classic rock. But as far as subculture and I'll, you know, not, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't really, I don't know if, if he's on the list, but Jerry Garcia, I mean, is one of the best guitarists that makes you feel that was raw as there ever was. I know it's not your cup of tea necessarily, Roger. And I, but I also don't want to cast aspersions into what you like or don't like. You can speak for yourself in that regard, but I got to believe you respect what his contribution to music is. Okay. I always say that about the Grateful Dead. I mean, I, if I don't have to listen to him ever again, I'll be fine with that. But at the same time, I respect what that band has done. And they are a monolithic band. There's no doubt what their yeah. influence is on music. They are tremendous. Yeah, But it's funny because I feel like he's just like, too happy for me. Uh, well, I feel like Jerry uh, Garcia and, um, you know, Bob Weir get, who's a rhythm guitarist, get, they get left off of. The classic rock and the greatest of all time list. No, they're on that. They're on that they Rolling Stones. Are, are they with like Jimmy and Dwayne? Dwayne I, I, yes, Garcia is, is Garcia on there all the time. I don't see Weir, but I see Garcia there. I don't see Weir on there too much. But Roger, he's on that did, list. Didn't you talk to uh, not Robert Hunter, but there was the other uh, songwriter, not band member of the uh, Grateful Dead that you uh yes i forget barlow. the guy's name Don barlow is it yes is that's it, it. i talked barlow? i talked to him for hours yeah. he offered me some lsd and did you <laughs> tell him that you didn't really love the grateful dead i absolutely and he did he had no problem with that he was one of the original songwriters with bob weir uh they were kids growing up and he was an advocate of lsd kept some on him at all times and it was i met him during i appreciate making that. a sean lennon uh, ghost of a Sabretooth Tiger music video with Sean Lennon and Charlotte Kemp Mole uh, music video. He was a, a, a special guest of theirs when we were shooting at the Masonic Temple here in Los Angeles. That's great. Ready for number four? Um, so, uh, yeah, we recapped. We are ready. And, and this is number four for everybody, right? We're starting yeah. with Roger. You're up. So we'll go All fast. Right, guys. My number f- my, I'm, keeping it, I'm keeping it in the family. Keeping it in the family. Number four, Bob Mould, Husker Du. So I'm just going to go right into it. Also another SST band and one of the most important bands. They recorded their albums in arcade the same day. It came out the same year as Double Nickels and a Dime. Both of them made a double album for punk rock. That was like a huge thing. SST, in fact, actually waited to release Zen Arcade so they could release both albums simultaneously. And they came out and those were two big hits and for indie music at that time. And they, you know, the Husker do Bob mold, you know, as a man from Minneapolis with Grant Hart and uh, um, uh, Greg Norton, the bass player, a three piece again, both bands, Minutemen and Husker do three pieces. Uh, the power behind that band, uh, two of the members were gay. One of them had a tremendous heroin problem and Bob mold suffers from a bit of a, uh, I wouldn't call it Down syndrome, but he has a certain mental uh, disability. Like is he like on the he, spectrum, maybe like a yeah, that's right. type situation. And but he was able to persevere through all that and channel that with the most intense emotional pain and rage you'll ever feel in music. If you listen to the first four albums by uh, by Husker Du, you will be it's it's a it's the groundwork between Sonic Youth and Husker Du and the replacements who I didn't have on this list that, you know, that, and then ultimately the Pixies, that's when you have the 1990s. That's where grunge comes from. That is. I got to read what Spin wrote about this, about Mould. It's awesome. Mould broke free of the hardcore mold by embracing all manner of guitar squall. 
stuffing Husker Du's staggering mid-80s run with so much psychedelic energy that many of those songs feel like they're coming apart at the seams. That's awesome right there. That's just, that's a wonderful, that's a wonder, that, if you're a guitarist, you want something like that written for you, you know, that's right. Really and I cool. do. Yeah, I like that. I, 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 I'll, our friend Brian Clancy mentioned uh, Mold in this other text thread we got going on, and uh, I, I would love to hear any Husker Du enthusiasts get together and talk because that is clearly a band I personally need to do more to get more to hear more. Calvin Lee Reader, the director of the Rambler and the Oregonian that I produced, and I we we had uh, Dermot Mulroney, and we had a uh, about a half hour conversation about our love affair with Husker Du to poor Dermot, who is a musician in his own right, but not certainly that kind of music, and. I Love think we that. got him turned on. I think today, I think he knows who's going to do very well. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I love that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, let's uh, go to George. Yeah, dude, George, number four. Yeah, um, closing it out with another band from the same era as those other guys, but the, the genre is very different. I'm picking Dimebag Daryl from oh, Pantera. Oh, yeah, Pantera. Somebody had to. Somebody One of us ha had to. I knew yeah. it was going to be you. Yeah, somebody. Uh, had I'm glad you did. Up. I am glad you did. I, I I'm glad you did. Yeah, just really um, kept heavy metal a lot. Well, you know, I guess uh, mainstream metal. I guess if you want to call it mainstream metal. I mean, I wouldn't ever imagine my wife listening to a Pantera song or knowing who Pantera even is. But uh, <laughs> relative to, to some of these other bands, um, Pantera is pretty well known. But yeah, I mean, everyone. I think guitar players of all genres really respect uh, Dimebag and, you know, a lot of those songs are, you know, the, there's a lot of emotion in it. It's not your typical um, sounds that you think of when you hear heavy metal music. Uh, and um, I'm pretty sure that Eddie Van Halen gave Dimebag that or gave the family one of his guitars when Dimebag passed away. Cause I think it was a tremendous uh, Van Halen Oh really? Man, yeah, and I just, Kiss fan, and Kiss, huge yeah, Kiss big, fan too. Big Kiss fan, big uh, Van Halen fan. You know that was cool about Dimebag. He was like seemed like a guy that was just had a lot of talent, but he was just like a really big uh, a fan himself, feeling like he was just kind of happy to he be was. there. You know, like on the scene and like you know getting to hang out with Ozzy Osbourne and Kiss and those guys. So uh, you know, he always had a smile on his face, and it really sucks what fucking happened to him uh it's really sad and um you know unfortunately um you know that type of shit goes on sometimes and uh you know if you don't know the story he got shot by a fan uh I don't, how long ago is that now it's got to be at least 10 years ago right at least yeah yeah it's just fucking yeah nerves. and uh you know yeah. I, I would assume at some point those guys would all bury the hatchet uh with phil anselmo and uh you know who knows what those guys could have been capable of but uh yeah it was great to see him and i don't think anybody would argue that uh from that you know the last 30 years of uh, recorded sound that uh Dimebag what was what was their first album uh, uh, vulgar display was their second yeah. album right it was well, called cowboys album, from hell cowboys from but hell, i was yeah, gonna yeah. say the album that's so on i saw a list by rob zombie ozzy osbourne and rob halford of their favorite top 10 uh, heavy metal records of all time. The one album that was on all three, they all three had a Metallica. They all three had a Black Sabbath, including Ozzy had, had a Black Sabbath. They all, <laughs> they all three had Cowboys from Hell really? on that list. All three of them had that on their list. And Ozzy, I think, had it number two. Wow. wow. I got to go back and listen to well, it. Oh, that's a great pick, man. Oh, that tells you how well he respected he was as a guitar player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as a band, the Pantera as a band. It, it's it's really interesting. If you mix Dimebag, Tom Morello, Kim Thale, and Dave Navarro, I mean, those you're you you really encapsulate a Gen X, a later Gen X sound that is, just, I mean, awesome. And they're all you, you can feel a little bit of each one of them in each other's music too, for sure. You know, well, maybe not as much Daryl, but you know. Yeah, I mean, um, the older I get, you know, it's like. You talk to some boomer 
Roger. You talk to some boomers <laughs> out there, and you know, I just feel bad for people that kind of. Speak. I am X, by the way. No, I'm I not, know I, you're. I know X. you, but I'm just. <laughs> I, I, I think you would. What I'm saying is, you talk to. You know, I was looking for your. Uh, oh, my, my acknowledgement, and I, I was looking for your uh, approval yes. on this statement, but uh, you know, the 1990s. I, you know, it was. You know, I, I would say it was just a prolific time of uh, music as the 1960s, which I think a lot of people would, you know. It was the first time we had an opportunity to take back what we've been shoved down our throats. As much as we love the Beatles and the Stones and Elvis mm -hmm. Presley and all of that that was been regarded as the greatest of all rock and roll music, <laughs> we finally got to get into a period where we had people reinventing it. Right. And so that was that was the good thing. And I just even the Velvet Underground are part of that old school classic rock, you know, even when they're inventing stuff yeah. the Stooges. So we got to have that all these names you've said outside of McLaughlin were really reinventing <laughs> the wheel in a modern sense during our time. McLaughlin's one of the ones who's older, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I, I just I, I just think about like people from like the the baby boom generation. Like, imagine you stopped listening to music in like the eighties. If you just stopped and you never heard uh, Jane's Addiction or Sonic Youth or Pantera. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think they're pretty smart and pretty knowledgeable music that just never even heard this music. That, and it's been around for never give it a years. shot, even. You know, that, that, I mean, that's the difference with that generation. That, yeah. You know. So, you know, I, I would just think I, I got a friend like that named Bill Hill, who is a big music buff, but it's stones 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 and more stones <laughs> it was about all you heard <laughs> yeah you know like you know if you were in that baby boom generation i think a lot of them just kind of i think it was like the heavy metal years maybe it was like you know ozzy motley crew iron maiden all that kind of stuff it kind of turned those those people off when they were uh you know just you know entering adulthood and having a family that type of stuff maybe turned them off. They didn't get it, you know, like that the LA metal scene and uh, alternative grunge and punk rock. They kind of missed all that. And it's a shame because all this stuff we're talking about, you know, um, I just couldn't imagine like going through life and just never hearing that stuff. Right. Well, we need to get to Pete's number yeah. four. Yeah. Well, in keeping with my, with more or less obvious choices, but um, still, I don't think you can really argue. I was, I was battled between two, but I'm going to land on Jack White. It was between Prince and Jack White. Uh, I mean, I love I I I love the story of Prince. I, I think he's just amazing. I, I almost picked Prince. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, you know the, that 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 one um, that one Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, George Harrison dedication that made the rounds after he died. Yeah, I've yeah. watched it so many times just for his solo at the end. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's next level stuff, and he was inventive and his songwriting, which we're we're not talking about songwriting, but I mean musicianship is, you know, he's 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 on the Mount Rushmore of musicians, maybe you know, yeah, and then but then for the purpose of this list, I, I, I kind of want to stick with Jack White because of his inventiveness and pure guitar playing. <laughs> And raw, big, big noise that he has never made with many, with much as a supporting cast. He's, he's, that's some really amazing stuff. I don't know, Roger, are you nodding because you don't like Jack White or you don't? No, no, I was sneezing and I oh. muted myself. That's why I was nodding. But no, I love Jack White. <laughs> I, think, I listen to him all, I mean, that last, you know, those last three moments in um, Ball and Biscuit of their, their big album. Uh, I think it's Elephant. It's the fucking amazing, ridiculous guitar. And he, he did it on this, apparently he did it on this cheap plastic guitar and making this like ridiculous sound come out of it. Screaming sound. That last bit with the wee wee. I, I have visions of people going through a house <laughs> shooting people. I have visions of, I don't want to tell you what it is because it's so messy and ugly because it's like so orgasmic and yeah. angry oh dude i got lucky one night uh george took me to uh see jack white at roseland ballroom and it was when he was doing a tour where he would just pick if he was doing using his all-female band or his all-male band and 
we got the all female band. We got the girls. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. I mean, I haven't seen a rock and roll show like that. Pure, unadulterated rock and roll. No fucking around. Awesomeness. I mean, they had a they had a stand up bass, and there were you know it was it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. You know. And, uh, you know, Jack White comes from the Detroit garage sound. You know, Roger, you know a lot of great uh, rock and roll and uh, that awesome sound from Detroit. But, you know, MC5, I think- baby, the mm-hmm. Stooges, and yeah. Bob Seeger and Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but now, of course, Motown. <laughs> yeah. And nowadays, I guess you kind of associate Jack White as more of a Nashville artist because. I think that's where he lives and that's where his recording studio is. And, uh, you know, he plays the blues, he plays rock and, uh, Country. I mean, yeah, everything. I he, mean, the guy, he recorded that Loretta Lynn album before she died. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I remember, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I remember he did a record with, uh, the insane clown posse. I didn't I, know that. Yeah, all, all, also from Michigan. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, it was a it was just a very strange thing. There was no explanation, and you know he's like, "Yeah, I'm really doing this." But um, I want to add to this list, this playlist. There's this Jack White song, uh, or it's a White Stripe song, and there's a part of it. Oh, it's called, I think it's called Little Cream Soda. You know it? Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, there's a part <laughs> where he's just playing, and it really sounds like this uh, Metallica song from. Um, it's called Eye of the Beholder from and Justice for All. And I want to play those two, put those songs together back to back on the playlist and see if uh, you, you guys and the listeners can kind of find that like one kind of passage where it just, it sounds very similar. And I, it's probably purely by coincidence, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I've just been listening to too much um, White Stripes and Metallica. And no way, dude. I, uh, you've always been a, a Jack White and White Stripes enthusiast. I've yeah. always, I mean, I can attribute my my liking to or my introduction to from you on that. Um, guys, we are just about approaching the end here. Um, I'll recap real quick. We got Roger with D Boone of the Minutemen, Thurston Moore, Lee Ronaldo of Sonic Youth, um, Gin. What's Gin's first name? Greg Gin. Greg Ginn of, uh, Black, of Flag. Um, Black Flag, um, and then uh, of course Bob Mold of Hoosterdoo and of his own and he also and he, you know he had a couple of other uh, bands too, but Hoosker's yeah. my my personal favorite. Those are all those are all excellent choices. We're gonna have um, a song or two or a few on a playlist. We're gonna we're gonna throw it together for you guys from those guys. George coming in uh, strong with uh, Tom Morello, Thale, uh, Navarro, and Dimebag Daryl. All really excellent choices and eclectic as well. Gonna That's get Kim some... Thale. You get yeah. Kim Thale and David. I didn't say Navarro. Kim. I said I said Thale and Navarro. I didn't say their first names. Yeah, let's um, throw that out there. Oh yeah, you're right. It's Kim Thale. You know, you're right, Roger. <laughs> Thank you for that. Keep it um, honest. And then, uh, and then I was, uh, I kept it pretty general, but you know, going for the easy picks because I do feel I'm out of my depth in this conversation, but I found it fascinating nonetheless with Tony Omi, um, Frank Zappa, uh, Jack White, and um, John McLaughlin. So, you know, it might make for a really interesting playlist. So, George, we're going to leave that to you, throw that together. I'll send you a couple ideas for songs. We'll, we'll get you guys some deep cuts on that. Um, uh, any last thoughts, guys? Thank you for a really awesome conversation. Uh, you know, that's all I got. What are you? What, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I think if uh, Roger and Pete send me two songs of each of your selections, uh, I'll do the same, and we'll make a playlist. We'll share it with uh, the people. Uh, what should we call it? Uh, maybe we call it um, Mount Rush. Rogers Possum. Men. um yeah and hopefully it just um (laughs) i would just tell people to uh take advantage on spotify of the made for you list they give you called discover weekly oh yeah and they will throw that list it comes out every week I, i go to it religiously once a week 
and they will throw you curveballs once they kind of get a, a an idea of your algorithms and spectrum, and they will throw you curveballs. Yeah, it's dude, I, I've, I've had a good time with that one, actually. I, well, Vanessa turned me on to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, it's been awesome. Any any uh, sign-off that we agreed on, or we're just going to go for off? Yeah, I say just uh, make sure when you open the door, uh, <laughs> go out into the world, spread positive vibes, and we're going to see you guys next time. Love that. Okay. Thank Take you very care. much, guys. All right, guys.